and gentlemen, what's good, y'all? It's Chris Gary, Sandra Benjamin. You tuned in for another episode of the We Are Rising podcast, where we discuss all things about the Rise of Fighting Federation, Japanese MMA in general. And boy, oh boy, do we got a show for y'all to tune into today. But first, let me remind y'all, y'all can check us out on Twitter. My handle is at ChrisGary92. My podcast partner, Andrew Benjamin, his handle is at Avenger1, D-E-N-J-A, by the way. And the show podcast, the Twitter handle for this, is at WeAreRisingPod, W-E-A-R-E. R I Z I N P L D and all. I mean, all is one word. And Andrew, why don't you tell the five people listening to us on this second quarantine edition of the podcast what they're going to be listening to today? Ah, oh, well, you know, one of the things that we wanted to do initially back in December when the Bellator Japan show happened was we wanted to cover the Bellator slash Ryzen Post Lens match that happened right after the Bellator show. Um, unfortunately, uh, much to the chagrin and much to well, sound, sound like a momentous amount of stupidity, both from Bellator and Ryzen's part, um, that uh, these Post Lens were not aired outside of America. And what I mean by that is, if you, you can only see these on Giao or Sky Perfect. Now, Gal and Sky Perfect are only available in Japan with a Japanese credit card or a Japanese email. One of those two or both of them. So basically, the only way that anybody got to see any sort of or get to keep up with these shows was by updates from people who were at the show live at the Super Saitama Arena and uh, through video clips, fan clips on social media, um, that sort of thing. Or even like from the fires themselves. Um... However, luckily we had some, some very generous people, uh, both on YouTube and on Dailymotion, who have uploaded full, the full fights to the show. Uh, and actually, you, uh, you can see the fights, uh, a good amount of the fights, as they aired on Gal. Some of them, unfortunately, you have to watch as if it's a, an old fan cam, like the old, uh, what, uh, convicted, well... I should say, definitely pedophile Rob Feinstein used to do with the ECW shows back in the 90s. Um, and so, you can find those on YouTube, Daily Dailymotion. Um, unfortunately, you can't really look up the fighters' names in English because the people who post them are Japanese. So they use the Japanese, the kanjis of the Japanese fighters and the katakanas of the uh, foreign fighters. But you can find them on YouTube and Daily Motion. Just uh, you have to look around. Uh, but they are easy to find. Uh, the Bellator Postlands. And on paper, us fans were really looking forward to seeing the show because it looked good on paper. You know, I have to say though, as somebody who did watch all the fights, mm, I don't know if the if the, the Postlands were as good as they appeared on paper. Um, just to let everybody know as well. So. The Bellator, these these show these fights were done in a Bellator cage, but then they were done rising rules. So foot stomps, knees to the ground, um, 
and that sort of, and all that sort of thing. And in the kickboxing match, it was rising kickboxing rules. So, you know, no elbows, uh, three minutes, two rounds, no overtime. Um, and also, that was in a cage as well. So that, that was a little wonky thing. But, um, yeah, what, the, what, what basically what, what, what I thought the premise of the postums was to show fighters who either were looking to get back on the winning column or fighters who were looking to make a name get a big win in Ryzen. Uh, and I think you, you got that, but I think a lot of the fights didn't wind up turning, turning up out as exciting as they did on paper. Uh, Christian, what were you able to see of, of these of these fights that happened uh, on the uh, postlims? Well, considering the fact that up until the time you called me, I just got done looking at the first fight, not very much other than that leg lock submission by Shoma Shibi's side, which we will get to momentarily. But from the way that these fights were promoted, the word promoted, and believe me, we promoted the hell out of some of these fighters, obviously. I mean, I tried to get an interview with Andy Nguyen. We all interviewed. I think we interviewed a few of the fighters on the fight card. Obviously, we interviewed Jared Brooks and Paulo Ochi. We interviewed separately Jamie Henshaw. And... And uh, also, we also uh, interviewed Hiroto Yuasako, who was in the main event of the... Uh, I mean, yeah, we interviewed Uesako as well, strongest lightweight in Japan, but to be quite honest, the fact that these fights not only didn't get shown outside of Japan, as far as Giao and Sky Perfect goes, but they didn't even get promoted outside of Japan via Bellator or Ryzen, it's just sickening. Yeah, I think that was, you know, here's the thing, you know, it was, I don't want to get into the whole kerfuffle that happened with that whole thing, because it was a major, major kerfuffle uh, on, on so many levels. But it was, but these fights were definitely fans wanted to see, and it would have been good, you know, I think, to show them somehow, some way, to, an, to a Western audience, uh, especially with the... With Bellator running their show on on the on Paramount, you could have had them maybe on the Zone or something, you know, just to show you know a new brand of MMA to a Western audience. So, but it, it was an incredible mess of, of of epic proportions, you know, finding out these shows were ever going to air. Uh, uh, outside Japan or anything, because you remember the it, we heard the very last week that it happened, uh, that the show happened, it wasn't going to happen. I think it was like that Monday uh, that we heard, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then uh, yeah, a lot of fighters were uh, a lot of you know we, uh, it looked like the impression was given was that the fighters were told that their show would be uh, shown in America. That's at least what um, that's. Kana Azakura gave an interview for for some Japanese magazine, and that's what she uh, that's what she said uh, that she was looking to having to like being on television in America. So uh, yeah, there is that. You know, tel- probably really hoping to be on television in America. Yeah, and also I think Jared Brooks also uh, had that expectation as well. So 
yeah. I mean, it, obviously, he talked to us. Yeah, so... We automatically assumed that the damn fight card was going to air in some way, shape, or form here in these United States. Exactly. So, it was an incredibly frustrating week, especially uh, especially because of... Uh, it was a because it was a bunch of fights that fans are looking forward to, and a whole and, and a bunch. It was it was a great week for fights. I remember that that week was like an incredible week of uh, of just combat sports fights. Uh, that that December, uh, New Year's Eve week, uh, with the PFL. Yeah, obviously it was the first time in a long time that the UFC didn't suck up most of the New Year's weekend. You know, buzz when it came down to ending the year yeah. off with a thing. Bellator had their thing, Rise had their thing, PFL had their thing. So it would have it would have been capped off, you know, to see like a lot of those um to see to see you know the, these these fights that a lot of people want to see. And mm-hmm. well, now you can see them. You just can't. You can see them unofficially. As I would like to say on YouTube and Daily Motion. And you know, we are the We Are Rising podcast. This was part of Rise, and we initially just read the results angrily <laughs> and, and very disappointingly. Yeah. So, but hurtingly. exactly. <laughs> but we can still we can we can talk about the fights now. Now that I've seen them all, and uh, perhaps you know, as we watch, you know, maybe you, you can sneak you can sneak a uh, look at them as uh, as we're talking about them. Perhaps who knows? Who knows, Christian? But um, mm-hmm. I think that we could definitely talk about the first fight because first fight was a quickie. So, that was an easy oh, yeah. one to watch. It was. That it was. As most of the fights on this postman card ended via finish, but the final two ended in the third round. Mm-hmm. So, we can definitely go ahead and run through these results. Yeah, exactly. Like, for example, first fight, heavyweights, or, as they say in Ryzen, the open, as they should say in Ryzen, the open weight division. Former Gunnery Ujima 100 kilogram, I guess, tournament winner? I don't know. I don't really understand kanji. I only read in Romanji, but still. Point the matter is, Shoma Shibisai upped his professional MMA records, 6-2, and two, submitting Sergei Shimatov, who hadn't, at the time of this fight happening, who hadn't had a fight in four years, Submitting to him, 11-8, and via Imanari-style leg lock submission, 49 seconds into round nine. And obviously that was preceded by a bunch of punches. Now, I just have to ask, as far as Shibisai goes, do you think that he'll eventually get another chance to fight him, to fight in Ryzen? Absolutely, he should. And hold on, one more question. As far as Shimatov goes, seeing the fact that this was his first fight in four years, and he had a lengthy winning streak going into this fight, is it over for him? I mean, I know he's 36, but is it over for the Shimatov brothers in Ryzen, or are they still going to harass more people just to get in the Ryzen ring? Well, they're still doing it. I'm still being tagged in their... uh... In their social media stuff uh, on the We Are Rising uh, official Twitter account, and uh, I know that they're still, you know, they're still putting up vi- crazy videos of them training in the Arctic freezing temperatures of Siberia. So 
Uh, yeah, the Siberian Alps. Yeah, so I and think... Oh, by the way, Shimatov had a five-fight winning streak going into this fight before losing to Sheikasai. So I think that they're that they're still going to gun for Ryzen. I don't know how well, how many fights they have on a contract. My guess is probably for Shemit, for uh, Sergey, probably like with most fighters who get who get a Ryzen contract, it's a one-fight deal with the promise of a second fight if they win. Um, possibly a two-fight deal, who knows. But uh, he, you know, we barely got to see anything of him. He got taken down, punched, and then submitted. So unlike his brother, uh, Vitaly, who we got to see more of in the uh, Jake Kuhn debut, uh, Ryzen debut, you, you kind of got a feeling of like, okay, you know, this guy, he still is a good fighter, but he just got bested by the better fighter that night. Uh, and then got the second chance against Simon Biong. Um, and then, uh, uh, in fairness, which he, he had a nice armbar on him, but did not get that. Um, did not get the submission. But nonetheless, we got, Sergey, you know, coming off that four-fight win streak and getting submitted in, all, in less than a minute is, uh, that is, that is, that is not good. That is, that is not a good look. Um, I mean, you know, we also have to take into account... What's going on in the world right now? We have a pandemic of coronavirus going around. There are multiple travel bans around the world that are going to be happening. And one of them is actually in Australia. Uh, so, you know, Shemitov may not have been a fighter who Ryzen would bring back. But with if they can't get back fighters like Jake Kuhn, uh, who trains in Australia, to further heavyweight division or openweight division... There's going to be a lot of issues. You're going to have you're going to, your pool of fighters are going to be much smaller. Um, obviously, Shibisai could come back. Shibisai has 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 won all but one of his Ryzen fights, uh, and he's done it in, in great fashion. He's um, yeah. Your your heavyweight division is going to, is going to get smaller now. Now that you know, presumably JQ cannot will not be able to fight in Ryzen anymore anymore as long as the travel ban in Australia is happening. So, I mean... Not I get, to mention the travel ban here in the States as well. Yeah, of course. I mean, well, here's the thing. Does the, does the travel ban affect Guam? Um, I would believe it well, doesn't. I mean, I'm not really sure considering the fact that there's only two ways you can get to Guam, and that's either via, I mean, via cruise ship or via plane. My you guess. Really get there by I haven't heard anything about about there being the same thing. You know, Guam is a principality of the United States. Puerto Rico, same thing as well. So, but I haven't heard of any restrictions of Puerto Rico. Um, so my guess would probably be that there is no. So you would still have Roger Martinez in the division. Um, I guess you know, if you wanted to do a, a another heavyweight fight with Shemitov, um, well, the things that I was gonna, I was about to say uh, Hideki Sakine. Shrek Sakin, but the problem is he's now in the in the Noah tag team tournament. But I don't even know if that's even going to still happen. It's uh, probably going to be postponed up until the summer. You know, Ryzen's supposed to be running a show April twenty second, but we've heard nothing about whether it's going to be no fans, um, or is he even going to still be at the Yokohama Arena? Who the we don't know at this point. So if the fight ah, now see. When it comes down to this, I actually looked up a little bit of it on the Twitter account mm -hmm. on the 
Twitter feed from the one tweet that they posted like minutes ago, maybe hours ago, I'm not sure, but they said that the tickets for the event, Ryzen 22, was still going to be you know, sent out to the general public on March 22nd, which of course, if you're, I mean, obviously, if you're delayed a bit from the time of this recording right now, which is of course March 20th at 1219 a.m. Central Standard Time, 119 a.m. Eastern, that's exactly two days from now. I see. So they have, they said they have made. I mean, they say they haven't made a decision yet, but they will once tickets get released in the next 48 hours. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Okay, well, you know, you might just, like I said, you might have to just bring Sharon to just because the pool will be smaller. Chibisai is obviously, you know, I would say put him up against JQ next, but we don't know this as JQ. And I mean, I guess the fight you would you could make is Rocky Martinez versus Chibisai. Um... And yeah, like I said, Sakini's not doing anything. Maybe him versus Shemitov. Um, those are the only two fights I could think of right now, given the current uh, state that we are in. Any uh, comments, Christian, about this fight or anything I said? I mean, to be honest, I wouldn't mind seeing that fight get made. I mean, I think that would be a fun fight just to even think of, just to even think of seeing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I absolutely agree. Um... Yeah, that's really all. This fight was very short. You know, you you can uh, make you can probably brew a cup of coffee longer. Um, you know, you should do. Do you remember when um oh Chris Benoit did the, did the uh made the coffee? He said he can make a a cup of oh, coffee yeah. quicker than he uh. Defeated Orlando Jordan at that one SummerSlam event in like two thousand five, if I'm not mistaken. He beat Orlando Jordan in like thirty eight seconds or something. Yes. Basically, do the same thing. Coffee on the post SummerSlam edition of SmackDown and said, "I win again." After he brewed, I mean, after he obviously brewed the cup of coffee in the amount of time it took to beat Chris Ben, I mean, to to beat Orlando Jordan. So yeah, basically do that and uh, put the fight on. Your coffee will come out much quicker. Huh, yeah, exactly. Even though we're not trying to condone. Chris Benoit, the murderer, we're trying to condone Chris Benoit, the wrestling icon. Of course, of course. And, you know, obviously the rest of the show goes on. And, oh, damn it, what am I saying? I mean, I'm just looking at this fight right now that we're about to talk about. And it's just crazy. Oh, you just, would you like me to take over this one, Christian, while you watch? Actually, I can, I mean, I'll go ahead and talk about it because it looks like from the looks of it, they're not giving him a mic for obvious reasons. So let's just go ahead and talk about it. John Cruz Tuck defeated now current deep middleweight, I mean, now current deep welterweight champion, Ichido Sumimura via TKO. Three minutes, 45 seconds of round number one. John Tuck, who made his last professional MMA fight for the time being, ups his professional MMA record to 11-5 after tallying W's and L's in the UFC for a long while. Sui Moore, his professional record at the time of the end of this fight was 14-8. He has since gone to 15-8 with another defense of the deep welterweight title. 
But I think it goes without saying, and we talked about this during the Brawl International Review Show, but it goes without saying. Is John Cruz Tuck done with being an MMA fighter because of the allegations that just came out about him molesting kids? And as far as Ryuichi and Osumi Mono goes, now that he's still the deep welterweight champion and got another win on his tally, do you think that he'll probably be finding his next professional MMA fight in a rising ring? Um, I wouldn't be surprised uh, with Sumimura. Um, though it's funny, he's um, well. Technically, I mean, I mean, do you want to count these fights as Bellator or as Ryzen? What do you think? What would they count in the greater scheme? Because they're listed under the Bellator two thirty seven page on Tapology, but I don't know. Do you count it as a Bellator as a Bellator loss or a Ryzen loss? Both, maybe. I don't know. Uh, probably. I mean. Even the fact that it was under rising rules, it's a rising loss. I got Even you. Even though John Tuck is signed, or I guess now you can say was signed as a Bellator fighter. Oh, good point. Um, so I guess you know, I he could definitely come back. The problem is though is that uh, he seems to he is zero two in rising. So I and you know one of the things we talked about, uh, Ryzen has a deficit of his welterweights. Um, Especially with uh, with uh, with uh, bigger b- big brother uh, De Souza, Marcos De Souza, uh, possibly retiring, there may be a, a lack of one seventy people in the division. So I mean, I and plus I you know I don't want to see see uh, Sumimura versus uh, Falco Neto because it'll be a terrible fight because Falco Neto gets his ass kicked. You want to put somebody a little bit who's a little bit more of Fight cachet, I guess you could say. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of uh, I'm trying to think of people who are like 170, and um, you might have to just, you know, I think there's going to be probably a lot of people you're going to have to like, a lot more local fighters from Japan, deep, pancreas, that sort of thing that you're going to have to... Uh, poach from because you know again with the world the way the world is now it's going to be a lot harder to get a lot of international fighters particularly from australia united states europe you might be able to get some people from russia but um yeah it's gonna be especially 170 it's gonna be a lot smaller in the case of john tuck yeah it's gonna be his last fight for a while possibly forever who knows that's all i gotta say about him I mean, come to think of it, you don't want to say anything about how, you know, being in the UFC has sheltered him, so to speak. Sheltered him? What do you mean, in what way? I mean, if you think about it, if you think about it, he fought like, I don't know, about six or seven times inside the octagon prior to this fight. Yeah, he had like a a win-loss. It was kind of like... He would win one, he would lose one, win one, lose one. He'd go back and forth, back and forth. He, it just wasn't, uh, eh. His, his, yeah, actually, he fought nine times inside the octagon, going four and five in it. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. was a member of season 15 of The Ultimate Fighter as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, you know, he just, you know, he was like a, a gatekeeper. He's the exact definition of a gatekeeper in UFC. Um, where would have his career gone? You know, at post, you know, after this win, you know, probably would have maybe fought in Bellator or in Ryzen potentially. Um, again, uh, but yeah, as of now, that ain't happening. <laughs> yeah, because of course, it's like you said, if it is true that he did rape those kids, I mean, that he did sexually assault a child. And if it is true that he will get convicted, you know, he can go be cellmates with allies. No, he can go be cellmates with Abel Trujillo. Just to let you know, uh, just to clarify as well, apparently it wasn't has anything to do with children, I, I don't think. It wasn't a minor, but it was a uh, adult girl. Apparently they were at a restaurant. He grabbed her by the arm, took her in the back, and then apparently that's where he sexually assaulted her. Oh. Not that it makes it any better. Or that doesn't, doesn't make it any worse, I should say. Um, uh, no shit. Uh, but, we, but regardless, it's a serious crime. If, he, if it's not true, hope he's found innocent. If it is true, yes, Trujillo and him will be best buds. <laughs> yeah, of course. And you want to go ahead and go on to the next fight? Sure, Which sure, sure. Right now? Sure, sure, sure. Okay. We got uh, okay. a... Super atomweight fight. Yeah, 108-pound contest as Crazy B's Princess B, Aishimizu, remained undefeated, defeating the crazy Andy Nguyen. Aishimizu improved to 5-0. and Andy Nguyen dropped to 6-9, and losing three straight, and seeing her Rising Rules record drop to... One and three. Mm. Obviously, when it comes down to Shimizu, her rising rules record goes up to two and zero. Oh, but if you think about it, and I, I can't really say I had an interview or a chance to talk with Nguyen, even though she did. I mean, even though I did send her like interview questions, because of course she was busy training at Scorpion Fighting Systems in Valleyville, Michigan, prior to the fight. So I didn't get a chance to actually talk to her, like, via phone interview or anything like that. But do you think that when it comes to Andy Nguyen's MMA career, that it's best for her to, at 37 years old, call it a career? Um, she's going to turn 38 next month, by the way. And as far as Aishimizu go, what's next? Uh, I mean, she's 30 years old. Hmm. She's pretty much the future of Crazy B, obviously alongside Ursin Yamamoto and Miyu Yamamoto, but what's next for her? Um, for Nguyen, um, well, unfortunately, because I saw this from a fan video, um, I did not get to see her. Actually, no, it wasn't a fan video, but uh, nonetheless, it, it, the entrance was cut off, so I did not see. Apparently, she said she had a, she had a nice entrance planned. I have no idea what it is. Uh, but I did not get to see. Oh, it was her. If you haven't seen the video on Twitter, it was her doing the damn hammer dance with hammer. I mean, with basically some parachute pants on, like MC Hammer had. Oh, that's funny. That's hilarious. Um, Eddie Nguyen, you know, is you know, I would say you could keep her around because she she brings in 
if she brings something different to a rising ring, is she the best fighter? No, it's so funny because I thought she was gonna be running Rise's top fighters um, when they first started, uh, when when she first started there, uh, but mm, I was wrong. Uh, she seems to she is not doing too well lately, especially uh, she's on a three three fight losing streak. Um, but I think you can... I find that sad because she is a former two-time King of the Cage women's animal world champion, but I don't see why she's taking such... I mean, I don't see why she's just steadily taking beatings like that. I mean, granted... I, I have a theory. I think she's, um, she's spending too much of her time posing for those calendar girl things that she sells on her, uh... On her uh, like personal page or whatever it is. I'm surprised she probably doesn't have an only. I mean, I'm I'm probably surprised she doesn't have an OnlyFans account. <laughs> uh, don't don't be surprised. You know, if that eventually happens, if she gets an OnlyFans account, who who knows at this point? <laughs> yeah, of course. Not that we don't condone. I mean, not that we don't condone it. We actually kind of respect what people go through in that type of field. Yeah, exactly. I mean, actually, not that we don't frown upon it, we actually respect those types of people, but the point of the matter is, it would suck for her, you know, to go from fighting in the rising ring or in rising rules or one and three overall in the rise in the rising rules set with her only win being against Dee Yamamoto to, you know, <laughs> Sucking pipes. <laughs> you know, here's the thing. Um, you know, I would love to see her against Kana Azakura because one of the things about I call Kana Azakura the king of the cage killer. So I kind of like, I kind of would like to see her uh, probably get beaten by Kana Azakura just to see Kana Azakura get another king of, king of the cage person under her belt. But obviously, you know, I think that fight would be so would be so mismatched. I think you can't you can't do it at this point. Uh, I don't know who you put Andy Nguyen against. Um. I don't know. Do you do against Do you do against Miyu Yamamoto once again? Uh, third match. Well, I don't think so because when it comes to Miyu Yamamoto, yeah, even though she's a points fighter, she's also one of the top contenders in the Rising Animate division. What about um against Amp the Rocket? Oh, Amp the Pocket Rocket. She'll get her If that were to happen, Andy would get her arm broken. Which, uh, who knows, that may not even happen because, again, Thailand is under lockdown. So we may never see, well, I should say, but we may not see any of the, uh, we may not see Top Noy anymore. We may not see uh, Amp anymore. Um, deep, uh, deep, um, the deep woman's, um, uh, what's the deep thing, woman's thing called again? I forgot. I'm, why am I mind blanking? Deep Jewels. Deep Jewels, yeah. They just had a show and, like, 80% of the fighters on there were from Thailand and were called something the Rocket. <laughs> so, Maybe you know... they all came from that same fight gym that Amp the Rocket come from. What is it, uh, Tiger Muay Thai? Is that what... Is, is that yeah, what? Tiger Muay Thai. Um, actually, by the way, also, if you don't know this, Thailand just passed, um, passed a, uh, like, a recreational, like, ex like, Basically, no gyms are allowed to operate in Thailand right now. So, the uh, American, Ameri America, uh, 
uh, Phuket top team closed. Uh, Tiger Muay Thai closed. Um, AKA Thailand. AKA Thailand. Uh, so those gyms aren't operating. Manel Cape mentioned it, mentioned on social media that he can't train right now. So yeah, you know we uh, Thailand may not Thai tires may not be even an option for Ryzen anymore. Now actually in the case, let's let's talk about Aishimizu. Aishimizu is definitely you know climbing up the ranks in Ryzen in that super weight division. I think. A great fight to make next would be either her versus Reyna or her versus Kana. I have so far had pretty has had low level to middle mid level competition at this point, and she has won all those fights so far. I think it's time for to put her put put her put get a a, a, a much higher level fighter like a Kana Azakura. Or Reina Kubota uh, to uh, to fight against next. What do you think, Christian? I mean, yeah, I think both of those fights would make sense because, of course, seeing the fact that I, I mean, seeing the fact that I Shimizu is pretty much, you know, a pupil of Miu Yamamoto, you're not gonna have a teacher versus student fight unless it's in a tournament. Yeah. Which, of course, the Ryzen Adelaide division aren't going to have the time being. So yeah. I think that it would be best if Ryzen were still fully operational after this whole pandemic to have Aishimizu versus Akana Asakuno or Aishimizu versus Arena Kubota. By the way, I also just want to point out this was a split decision win for uh, Aishimizu. Not so sure how it was a split because I thought that. Shimizu dominated the, uh, almost the entire fight. Um, so I'm not so sure how one judge thought that Andy Nguyen went, won. But um, other... I mean, maybe because that judge was probably enticed by Andy's dance moves. Oh, it's entirely possible. It's entirely possible. Now, with this next fight, Christian, I would very much like to uh, read it because the fighter who, who won this is a fighter who perhaps goes against all of Ryzen's ideas of a fighter um if you catch my drift so mind if i take this one over go ahead we have a flyweight fight uh between makato takahashi and yusuku nakamura done uh, at a catch weight of 128 pounds sorry I think you mean makoto shinryu takahashi oh he goes by shinryu oh yeah i forgot he goes by shinryu yeah makoto shinryu anyway mm-hmm. Um, it was done at a catch weight of 128 pounds, but both are flyweight fighters. Um, and Shinryu is a fighter who is 19 years old. Fights out of Parashira Matsudo, which has a lot of fighters in Ryzen. Uh, from Miyagi. Uh, originally from Miyagi and 5'4". You know what his record is? Um, I know what his record now, but what was his record prior to this fight? Ten, uh, nine, one, and one. He 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 beat Nakamura, and now has a 10 one record. Now, Takahashi, he has won all of his fights by decision. Every uh, fight has been a decision win. All but all all of his fights were. He's, he all all of his fights. So he's got two. He won one fight by split decision, one by majority, but the rest were unanimous decision wins. And 
As somebody who watched this match, uh, oh, just to let you know, Yusuke Nakamura, his record goes to 16-7-1 after this match. And uh, he's actually uh, one of my least favorite fighters in Ryzen. Um, yeah, I don't. I think he's. I don't think he's that good of a fighter, especially after the uh, the uh, top noy match where he got his teeth knocked out. Um, oh. Remember that? And like his teeth went like they went like flying out. I think I think he should have lost that fight uh, based on damage, but he did not. Oh, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that you know he hadn't learned his lesson. I mean, he had not learned. His lesson from that fight on to this fight. Well, for this fight, basically, Takahashi just kept on taking down Nakamura for all three rounds and was do, was doing the Ben Askren special. He was doing the GSP post-surgery special. He was basically taking him down and, and point-fighting him, something that Ryzen has very much said that they are... That they don't want to promote. You know, they want to promote exciting matches. They don't want to promote lay and prayers. And I'm going to say this. If Takahashi fights a much higher level flyweight or bantamweight in Ryzen, they are going to know that as soon as he goes for a takedown, I'm going to just kick this guy in the face. I'm going to kick this teenager right in his face and knock his teeth out. So... Based on that, I have no interest in seeing Nakamura in, in, in Ryzen ring ever again. I don't think he's Ryzen worthy anymore. Um, Takahashi, though, he's 19. He can still grow as a fighter, but... Oh, definitely he can. I mean, the dude has a 900 record. So, But the prob- problem is, I don't know if he's going to stay, if he's going to fight a flyweight in Ryzen or if he's going to go up in bantamweight. He goes up in bantamweight. He's going to be facing a lot of both big and literal, and big and figurative, figuratively in competition. So if Ryzen makes her flyweight division, he should absolutely stay there. But I again don't know. Flyweight's kind of a uh, wonky little uh, division right now because Ryzen's now focusing on that bantamweight division. So I'm not so sure. You're going to have to probably get people from Pancras. Or deep to uh, to come in and do the uh, do the flyweight division. I think. I mean, I guess I guess I'm trying to think of um, if the U- unless the UFC plans to cut a bunch of flyweights. You know, there's no I don't see uh, I can't see you know I can't think of any flyweights right now that you would put against Takahashi. I mean, come to think of it. Would you probably see... I mean, you're saying that you wouldn't see... I mean, you don't see any... What am I trying to say? You're probably saying that you don't see, you know, Takahashi getting a good opportunity to fight against some name-brand fighters, but, you know... Unless he goes goes up the Bantamweight, I think. I think if he goes to Bantamweight, there'll be more opportunity. Flyweight, not so sure at this point. I mean, kind of think of it, if he goes up to Bantamweight, aren't you kind of afraid that he might fizzle out? It's possible. That's a risk, but I don't know what else you're going to do. You know, the bell rings face-to-face. Oh, face sorry. Um, I don't know what else. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I don't know what else you, you know. Oh, I don't know. Uh, who, you're going to have to get some from Flyweights from somewhere. 
um, from like you know just like Japan from Japan locally perhaps maybe Russia yeah uh, yeah that's what you're gonna have to do unless if not then he's gonna you will have to move up unfortunately and he'll be at a size disadvantage and also just at a name disadvantage just like a fighter uh, recognition disadvantage he will get schooled at bantam weights I 100% believe I see, I see. And I mean, to be quite honest, even if he doesn't go up to flyweight, would you potentially see him, you know, fight for the deep bat? Would you potentially see him fight for the deep flyweight title if the opportunity presented itself? Uh, I think he is a deep, isn't he the deep flyweight champion now? I believe he is. Um, I believe he is a deep yeah, flyweight champion. Let me go ahead and check because. Or he may have lost. He, he his one his one sole loss is to Tatsumitsu Wada. He may have lost it to him. Double check on that for a second. Okay, I am trying to. This is wonky ass internet. You ain't really working much shit. So. Uh, no, he is champion. I he is champion. He uh he did beat uh, he beat Yuya Shibata uh for the interim title um. Yeah, and he was elevated to, I mean, he was elevated to full-time champion, but unfortunately, more recently, he fought Paulo Ochi in a exhibition that led to a no contest. Yeah. Yep. That, that's, uh, that's no finishes on his entire record for anything, so... Uh, that's uh, if he goes to bantamweight, he will get finished. So, hopefully, you know he can just grow as a fighter and uh, stop being a lay in prayer. <laughs> I see, I see. But still, as far as Nakamura goes, you have no interest in ever teaming him again. Not anymore. No He's not. No, not anymore. Stick to deep or wherever he, uh, wherever he's where his uh, original lane is. He's not rising worthy. Absolutely not. <laughs> I see. I see. And before we get to this next fight, which I'm watching right now, what are your thoughts about kickboxing in a cage? It was strange. Because I don't think I've ever seen kickboxing in a cage before. I can't recall. I mean, come to think of it. I have inside of, I mean, I have obviously in one FC because they do that. Oh all yeah, the time. I oh uh, yeah, I forgot about that. But um, yeah, but like Glory's never done it in a cage, as far as I recall. Kane one doesn't do it in a cage. Um, well, they had that one fight between I think Patrick Smith, the late Patrick Smith, may he rest in peace, versus Kimo Leopoldo. Oh, okay. Um, it was just it was a it was a unique look, I'll say. Um, especially probably the fighters also thought it was unique because most kickboxers are used to fighting in a ring most of the time, so they probably thought you know, oh, I got a fighting cage, so it's gonna be a little bit different, and also rising kickboxing rules, which allows no elbows. Um, so, uh, it was a a unique aesthetic, I will say. Okay, well, let me go ahead and get to this kickboxing bout. And that was Rinki Remoto 
knocking out and pretty much demolishing Takahino Kira in two minutes and 49 seconds of round number one. He improves his professional kickboxing. He, being Hiromoto, improves his professional kickboxing record fresh off of fighting just 19, actually 17 months prior. No, wait. 21 months. God damn it. What am I saying? He came back to professional kickboxing 21 months after beating Kyle Ruresprit in the 2018 Combat Press Upset of the Year at the K1 K Festa 1 show in Japan. I mean, at the Saitama Super Arena, the same building where he got this win over. And yeah, I think he, he had an injury. Pretty much dominated Ashida for the entirety of them three minutes, beating I, I, him in two minutes and forty nine seconds. I think he had Ashida an injury of, of some kind. The, that's why he was. Uh, I think he had an injury of some kind. I don't know if it was related to the fight, but I believe he was injured. That's why he uh, had to take those twenty one months off. My guess would probably be a leg injury, um, just just because you know if if it was a leg injury, you got to do therapy and all that stuff and. So that's why it would be longer than if it was an arm injury. But sorry, Christian, go ahead. Understood, understood. But the point of the matter is, Rin Hiromoto ups his professional kickboxing record to 11-4 with 6 KOs. This one being the more devastating of all six of them. Ashida, who was making his professional kickboxing debut, <laughs> off of the back of having a professional MMA record of... And Trying to look at it right now. Give me a second. I'm doing this on the fly. But still, Ashida was in his professional kickboxing debut. I mean, obviously, ain't no way he's going to be fighting in Rising Bulls. I mean, for kickboxing anytime soon. No. But do you see him potentially fighting in his natural habitat of being a mixed martial artist? I would prefer that. You know, I don't know why people think, you know, I don't know if these MMA fighters who are asked to do these kickboxing matches are, if it's an ego thing, or they generally want to do it. Because... Oh, um, I think it's probably more because of ego. They feel like they can actually conquer the world you know, trying to fight in their own little style, but nah, they get flattened down to earth really quickly. And oh, by the way, Ashida is professional MMA record, 23-10-2, and, and he was the former deep featherweight champion. So, I mean, you know, yeah, definitely bring back Ashida for, for, for some, especially for featherweight, you know, if, the, if, the, if that featherweight hap tournament happens this year and you want, might wind up using more Japanese people. Because of how the world is, you know, you might, you know, I'll definitely, you know, slide him in there. Ren Hiromoto, definitely keep him for your kickboxing uh, matches. And uh, apparently they did fight uh, in the amateur level, Kaito Ono. Um, but that would be a good match, a great match to have on a, on a high level, um, on one of your uh, kickboxing, uh, kickboxing matches. Um, also, apparently, uh, as an amateur as well, he intention fought. And guess who won? Tension. Nope. Ren Hiramoto won by decision. Damn. But um, since then, Hiramoto has gotten bigger and Tension has not gotten any bigger. So 
they are at two incredibly different weight classes. So a, a match on the professional level, I don't think is going to happen, nor should it. Would you agree? Uh, I mean, I would have to agree. Uh, the most you can maybe do is is a match with Taiju Shiratori versus Ren Hiramoto, I think. So that's the closest you can get to a Tenshin Hiramoto fight, I believe. So feel free to book that Ryzen if you like to, or Rise. I would hope so. But it was a great knockout nonetheless, and uh, hopefully we'll see Hiramoto back on a Ryzen, uh, on a Ryzen show again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, do you want to go ahead and go on to the third to last post-slim of the evening? Because this was pretty hotly contested. Oh, oh yes, it was. Yes, it was. Um, <laughs> are you watching this fight, uh, Christian, or are you... Uh... Are you uh, taking I'm watching this fight, but I can go ahead and spoil myself a little bit. Ah. Jared, the monkey god, Brooks defeated Haruo Ochi, the current deep men's strawweight world champion, via unanimous decision after three dominant five-minute rounds. Brooks ups his professional MMA record to 16-2 and two, and still wants to get an opportunity to fight in the UFC again. If the opportunity presented itself, of course. Ochi, who obviously, who obviously is still the deep flyweight, I mean the deep men's strawweight world champion, improves now to 19-8 and, I mean yeah, 19-8 and eight, with now two no contests, I mean with now two draws and one no contest by virtue of him losing I mean, by, by virtue of him having that one exhibition fight more recently with Makoto Takahashi, but still, point of the matter, Jared Brooks, he's always a fun guy to talk to. He's always a fun guy to watch via in his entrances or in his fight game, period. But where do you think he would bet, I mean, do you think that an opportunity to go back to the UFC would best suit him, or do you think that there are more exciting things for him to do, you know, in the pack mule division of professional MMA, you know, as the men's strawweight division? Well, also, I think that uh, he declared that this was going to be his last fight at strawweight, so um, unless, like, he's probably offered a lot of money at another strawweight fight, he probably is not, this is his last fight at strawweight. Um, so, you know, normally I would say, hey, you know what, Jared's definitely climbed up the ranks, you know, hey, you know what might be a good fight at, at featherweight? Him versus, uh, Takahashi, Shinryu. Um, I think that'd be an interesting fight. Unfortunately, don't know if that fight could be made in this day and age. Um, so, maybe down the line when things get more, less hectic, I'll say. Maybe that's a fight to make. You have two, you have two wrestlers, um, and uh, coming off wins, and uh, I think uh, I think that would be a good fight to make. Uh, uh, now, uh, in terms of uh, Brooks going to UFC, I mean, UFC flyweight division is a mess right now. So I don't even know what's going on with the flyweight division, other than the fact that the title is still vacant because the guy who won their ma the match. Uh, miss weight. Mean, did he 
Ethan Figueredo versus Joseph Benavides. Who uh, who Jared Brooks uh, has a uh, a bone to pick with. Um, he good out. <laughs> I mean, really, he has a bone to pick with Figueiredo? Because he thinks he... Well, because remember, the, he lost that fight, and he thought that he won that fight. And so did many other people as well. Oh, right, right, right. I mean, he, Brooks, probably has a bigger bone to pick with Joe, with Jose Fuddy Torres and Brave CF. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um... Uh, barring that, though, you know, hey, you know, I wouldn't want to see him go in the UFC. I think he's a good... I think he's good for Ryzen, uh, personally. Uh, mm-hmm. I would much rather see him stick around. Um, I mean, the fu- the thing is, though, if he cannot get a fight booked in Ryzen because of travel restrictions, then, you know what? Please, by all means, go to UFC and make, and make, some, uh, make some money there, you know, if that's the only way you can... Uh, you can fight. I'm gonna say that about all the uh, all the American fighters. Uh, oop, uh, that uh, if they um, if they can't, the fighters who initially were, oops, who were booked in Ryzen, can't get any more fights in Japan because of the travel restriction. Please, there's no. I see. No, you gotta make a living somehow. Go to UFC. Go to Bellator. Wherever it is. Okay. Don't starve yourself. Um, but uh, yeah, Haruhi is awesome. He's a he's a he's a he's a, he's, a, he's a very underrated fighter, in my personal opinion. I see, but do you think that he'll potentially get a chance to fight Ryzen again? I hope so. I mean, hopefully, after all these travel restrictions are taken care of, you know, he can. Um, until then. I don't know. It might, uh, Haru Ochi, you know, still a great fighter, you know, but he, uh, Garrett Brooks is still, is still the number one, uh, straw way in the world and could be, could be number three. Uh, I mean, let's just say he's a king without his crown, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. And, but, you know, Haru Ochi is a good fighter as well. He had that great knockout. He, he knocked out Sanabe in their fight beautifully when they had their deep versus, uh, pancreas match. Um, so, uh, yeah, I definitely would see, like to see Ochi at least back in the Ryzen ring. And if, uh, Brooks can come back, hopefully him as well. Right, right, of course. Now, do you want to head to the co-main event of the evening? Ah, yes, yes, we have another Super Atom Weight match. Mm-hmm. And this was contested at... 48 and a quarter kilos or 107 pounds as Kana Asakura, formerly the girlfriend of Tenjin Asakawa, <laughs> just, yeah, of course, popped her professional MMA record to 16 and 4, defeating the current King of the Cage Women's Animal World Champion wearing the generic rising trunks, Jamie Adambaum Henshaw, via submission, Kimura Three minutes and 33 seconds of round number three. Now, of course, when you think about Asakura, I mean, obviously we have to go back to what we said earlier in this podcast. You know, she would potentially be a good opponent for Aishimizu. But if not, if that ain't the case, do you see her potentially, you know, trying her best to fight? I mean, do you potentially see in her 
jettison her way back, jettisoning her way back to title contention and potentially a shot at Xiaohe you know, Han should she get her stuff in order with all the, you know, I mean, with all the business transactions she's unfortunately having to deal with. And as far as Henshaw goes, obviously we both talked to her. She was pretty ecstatic about her trip to Japan, probably. But, I mean, she's not, if she's not rising worthy, I mean, do you think that all it would take for her to be relevant again is a few more King of the Cage title defenses? And for her to actually fight some reasonable competition somewhere. Yeah, sure, absolutely. I got no problem with that. Uh, uh, you got it's so it's so funny. You know, with Rodney, you can almost do like a six degrees of can the cage, and like all these super atomite fighters have some sort of connection to one another. It's so funny. Um, I'm trying to like if you wanted to bring. I mean, the thing is that she got schooled by Kana Azakura, so if. If you wanted to do uh, Sabatella, I mean, sorry, not Sabatella, uh, Henshaw versus, um, let's say, Andy Nguyen, you know, they both lost. Um, you could do it in the Kin to Cage, but you could also do it in Ryzen if you wanted to, I think. I think that'd be. Uh, yeah, but wouldn't it be best for, you know, Henshaw to face off against somebody like Tabitha Watkins or maybe Alicia Zapatella? Yeah. I would say so, yeah. Um, ha- have her face off against uh, one of those two. She gets a win. She could definitely, you know, come back uh, on a future Ryzen show. Uh, as we said about Kana before, though, I think that Kana's. I think I think the you gotta make a fight of her versus Aishimizu next. I think that's a fight. Uh, not only because Kana's coming off. Um, um, I think before this fight, she lost. I think it was to Miyu, I believe, right? Uh, I'm checking, I'm checking. Uh, actually, no. She defeated Zapatella, and then, I mean, she defeated Zapatella after the loss to Miyu. Okay, gotcha. I know that, and that wasn't, the, wasn't the Zapatella fight the one that, um, I think you said that, I think you you pegged as uh, Zapatella was the winner of that one, I believe. Yes, I did, and it was a pretty controversial decision. Yeah, so... I mean, just as the Aisha Mizu Tabitha Batgirl Watkins fight was. With the, uh, with the, uh, ghost, ghost tap, right? Yep. So, yeah, so if, if you want to kind of count the Zabatella win as kind of like a soft win, because it was a split decision win, and she, you could argue she did lose that, uh, in one judge's eye, she lost... Yeah, you know, she still got to climb the ranks up a little bit more. So I think um, if she, a match with her versus Aishimizu is a fight that says, okay, if she can defeat this person who's climbed up the ranks, you can effectively say that that Kanazakura would maybe need one more fight after that, maybe or maybe after, depending on how the situation is with with, with booking fights. She might get a uh, title shot quicker than that, but I definitely think that that the fight you gotta make is her versus Aishimizu. Um, not only for Ice's sake, but also for Kana's, um, Kana's, uh, sake. Exactly. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, even before this pandemic is over with, that that particular fight would be made. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, maybe they'll, they'll shoot for that maybe on the, the April 22nd card, 
if it's uh, still going on. Mm-hmm. If it's still salvageable, so to speak. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, before we go into the main event of this fight card, not just the entire, you know, Bellator Pulse Limbs and all that, but the entire fight card, I just have to ask... What are your thoughts about calling after-show fights post-wins? You mean... Would you repeat that question again? What are your thoughts about calling after-show fights like post-wins? Aren't they normally called dark matches? Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I guess for MMA, they've always been called a post-win fight, but I've never heard... But like in wrestling, it's called dark matches. I got no problem with that. My problem with, with, with these, with, I think that these should have been prelim matches, I think. And then... The, I mean, come to think of it, if they did... I mean, if they would have started these post-limbs off as prelims, obviously the card would have taken place in the afternoon our time, which means, unfortunately, the morning their time. Well, no, well, no because if the whole idea was that they weren't going to run the, the card anyway. Um... You know, I think that, that having them as prelims would have been, I guess, better. But it just seems strange to have all these fights after Fedor versus Rampage, which was the main event. It just, it was, it just seemed odd to go from Fedor, Fedor Rampage, to Kana Azakura versus Jimmy Hinshaw. I don't know. I just, the balance doesn't seem there. I mean, come think of it, if this were. If all these fights were happening on American soil, unfortunately, all the people would all... I mean, by the time they would have gotten to this fight we're about to talk about, the building would have been empty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, people don't stay for post you can't have... I mean, because obviously you can't have American viewers or American fight fans sit through and watch six straight hours of a fight card you know, from top to bottom, and then expect them to sit through every last fight. No, exactly. No, yeah, and um, uh, yeah, it makes it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, it was just a really strange, a really strange way to book the card, in my personal opinion. Because you know, a lot of people don't stick around for those. Po Bellator has post limbs, and so do PFL. Um, and nobody sticks around for the Bellator, Bellator post limbs. You ever watch some of them on the Bellator channel? The, the audience is like a postlet. It's like a prelim. Nobody's there. It's it's entirely empty chairs. <laughs> right, right. Of course. But I mean, basically, it would be more different. It would be no different than that Daniel Jacobs Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. fight that we talked about beforehand, where shit just got crazy to the point where Jacobs. Is basically having things thrown at him because of it being a terrible decision on the referee's part. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. They had to get rid of everybody in the venue in the supposed last fight of the 20 teens that they had after that fight wasn't even shown. Sorry, Christian, you broke up. What was that again? Basically, what I was trying to say was, again, after the Chavez-Jacobs 
kerfuffle. You know, they had the last fight of the 20 teens as a decade and of 2019 as a year in front of literally like swamps, I mean, like tens of people, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah, no, it's a. I mean, it's like I said, you don't really want to have that type of atmosphere where you have Americans sit through like six straight hours of fighting, seeing the main event, and then sticking through every last post. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh huh. But still, you want to talk about the main event now? Yes, yes. And this fight was awesome. This fight was. It was a great way to end the show. It's ironic that the last fight of a, of, of a show where soccer kicks are allowed ends in a soccer kick. In a vi- and, 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 and like near the end near the end of the third round. And uh, so I'll I'll get I'll, I'll want you to give the details of this fight, Christian. Go ahead and read it. I'm watching it as it's happening. Great, great. So this was a 157 pound lightweight. Slash catweight match between Yusuke Yachi, Crazy B's Yusuke Yachi, taking on Hearts Hiroto Yuesako. And both fighters were coming off major losses in, uh, previously. Uh, Yachi, I believe his, his last loss was the Mikuru Azakura match from last year. And then Yuesako got eliminated in the uh, quarterfinals of the. Uh, Bantam, about the Bantamweight, the lightweight uh, tournament that Ryzen had. And uh, he was eliminated by, by Luis Gustavo by Dr. Stoppage. And you had two fighters coming off a loss, two fighters who are former featherweights, have gone up in, in, uh, in weight, and looking for a win. I think that's a great way to book a fight. Because you got two people who are hungry, you got two people who want to win, and it just it creates something much more compelling. Anyway, it was an inc- you know, both these fighters came to win. They, there was no going to the ground. There was no no stalling, no nothing. These two fighters were aching for that win, and right at the, in the very end, so four minutes thirty seconds of the third round, Nachi gets a beautiful soccer kick to a downed Yuisako, and the and referee weighs it off. Basically, what happened is Yachi knocked down. It looked like that Yuisako was going to knock down, was going was going to fit, uh, knock out Yachi, but then Yuisako got hit with a cross. He goes down, uh, like on all fours. Yachi runs in, soccer kicks him, and the referee immediately stops it. Both guys were bloody. They were bruised. It was an amazing fight. Absolutely incredible fight. Uh, actually, the funny thing is, you can see this fight uh, individually on YouTube and Daily Motion, I believe. And also, someone uploaded the Fuji TV version of that Bellator Japan show, and that this fight is shown in full. So you can see the fight with with uh, graphics and television things and all that stuff. Um, what have you seen, Christian? What have you seen with this? Oh, actually, before you answer that, so uh, Yashi go it becomes uh, twenty one. And nine, Yuisako sixteen and nine, and uh, Yuisako as well, uh, having a fight coming up in Pancreas, um, I believe April twelfth 
is when he'll be fighting in Pancreas uh, in the main event. Oh, yeah, he's supposed to be having... I mean, yeah, we're supposed to be talking with, you know, Stuart Fulton down the line about, you know, those upcoming Pancrease cards. Yeah, the double show. Uh, they're doing, like, two shows back-to-back. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, you have that to look forward to see Yui Sako in. Um, but, uh, so, what, as you're watching this match, Christian, what do you have to say about this match from what you can see? All I can say was that soccer kick that Yusuke Yachi landed on... Hiroto Boy was just a thing of beauty. Oh, just to let everybody know, so he'll be fighting at Pancreas 314, 314 at Shinkiba uh, Studio Coast against Yusuke Kazuya. You recognize that name? Uh, Kazuya? Not really. He uh, fought uh, in UFC twice. Oh, and uh, one of the people that he lost to uh, was Alexander Volkanovsky. Who is the current UFC featherweight champion? Yes, yes. But so yeah, we got it's uh, going to be a uh, you know hopefully Yui Sako could get a win in that match. Um, I definitely would bring him back for a Ryzen match, uh, lightweight. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, it's a, it, a lightweight division, you know, with with Tofik being the the center of the division. I'm trying, and you know, Johnny Case isn't there anymore. Uh, he's in PFL now. Damian Brown may not be able to fight for the for for the foreseeable future due to the Australia travel ban. Um, are there any? Do you know if there's any bans going on with Brazil or any of that sort, Christian? I don't think so. I haven't heard anything about no travel bans coming out of Brazil. Hmm. You might... If you wanted to maybe do eventually... I'm trying to think of like some Bellator fighters who are not Americans that they could get over in Japan. Um, I mean, come to think of it, I do know that as a one Bellator fighter fighting over in Japan, Goichi Yamauchi, who just recently fought in Ryzen, he probably might end up... I mean, he's going to be fighting on one of those Pancrase double bookings coming up. Okay, that's interesting. Um, hmm. Trying to think. So, you, you, you would you want to do Goichi Yamauchi versus... I mean, here's the thing. He did, he did win his match against uh, Darian Cruikshank. I don't know. I just I always have a problem putting winners against losers. In my personal opinion, I would say maybe do Darren Cruikshank versus Yui Sako, but uh, that we don't know what's the future of of, of American fighters um, traveling uh, internationally. So, hmm. I mean, maybe you can book. I mean, maybe that fight could be booked once this whole travel ban thing subsides. Oh, that'd be great. Absolutely. Please do. Yeah, I think that Crookshank versus Uesaka would be a very interesting match to make. Very good match to make. Mm-hmm. Now, that way Crookshank can send another Japanese champion into orbit. Yeah. Now, question is, what about Yachi? Because, you know, I remember when we talked to Uesaka, he said that he thinks that Yachi's oppressed and he doesn't want to be a fighter anymore, basically. And we kind of had the same inkling as well, judging from his performances that he was, that, you know, the Gustavo loss, the Azakura loss. Um, 
What do you do with Yachi next now that he that he made this comeback uh, win? I don't know, but if you don't get him involved on that fight card where Niku Rasakura is going to be facing off against Otesu Boku, you know, I think only then will his career be over. Mm. Do you think an eventual rematch between him and Asakura is warranted or no? Well, I mean, if the fans want to see it. Um... I don't know, because Azakura dominated the fight so badly, it's almost, um, hmm. so I don't know. So in other words, that would be a definitive no? At this point, yes. I mean, here's the thing as well, we don't know what Azakura's fight future is going to be. He said he wanted, he wanted better competition, then apparently he, and he said he wants to focus on his YouTube channel, now apparently he's facing Kotetsu Boku. Ah, okay. Here's a good fight you can make. You know, how about uh, him versus El Catador? Yachi versus El Catador. Yes. You know what? That would, that would totally make sense. That really would. I mean, because if you think about it, up until Salas got finished by Miku Rasakura, he was displaying a ton of heart in that fight. I normally don't like to pit, pick, uh, pit winners against losers, but I'm almost going to consider, you know, these, 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 this Bellator Postum show is almost kind of like out of canon in a weird way, just because of the fact that it didn't, it, it aired very weirdly, you know, and that it's only, it was in Japan. But also, I think you also got to consider the fact that Yachi wasn't dominating that fight as well. Uh, Yorisako was close to winning that fight. So I think you need you need to put him up against somebody like an El someone who's tough. See see who comes out in the end. If Yachi can win, then you know we can start talking about that, that you know climbing him back up to the lightweight. And who knows you know if he if he starts to if he starts to get a lot more wins you know maybe him versus Topeak eventually. Um, I think that's a very interesting match to make. Him versus Topeak Musayev. If he continues on a on a winning, on a dominant streak, of course. But so, uh, I mean, do you want? Is there anything you want to say about these fights? You want to give a fight at night or performance at night or anything? Any last words about this uh, show? This portion of the post limbs, Christian. Well, I mean, to be honest, when it comes down to these fights, is there really? You can't really give fights that you didn't get a chance to see on regular television or anywhere other than, you know, outside of Washington on stream. You can't really give these fights any type of performance bonuses because these fighters just came in there, busted their ass for the people that were still in the building, and put on a hell of a show. Mm-hmm. But in all honesty... If I were to give my performance of the night bonuses, I would have to give them to, I mean, obviously, the decision of the night, the big performance of the night bonus would have to go to Jared Brooks because he just dominated how long she three rounds. 
the knockout of the night I would have to give more than likely I would have to give to Renji Ramoto for just Molly Wapping <laughs> Takahiro Ashida. Submission, obviously it would be a tie between Kana Asakura and Shoma Shibisai, even though Shoma finished Shurge Shimatov a lot quicker than Kana Asakura did Jamie Henshaw. But still, this, I mean, these fights were just so great that it really felt like the actual fight card, not just, you know, fights that took place after the show was over. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, for me, Friday night easily goes to Yuisako versus Yachi. Uh, performs a night, Yachi, for a beautiful soccer kick finish to, to cap off a night, uh, an okay night of mixed martial arts. Uh, and kickboxing, and then to Shoma Sibisai for the incredibly rare Achilles Lock submission on Sergei Shemitov. Um, I thought overall, you know, I thought it was an okay show. Uh, I don't, I think it looked better on paper than it did, uh, than, it, than it, it was executed. Not so much that it was boring, but I just think, you know, with the, with the caliber of fighters, you know, I thought that the Zavatella Nguyen fight was, eh. The uh, Takahashi fight, Nakamura fight, was incredibly boring. Um, the Brooks Ochi fight, you, you know, I mean, one, it was one guy dominating the entire fight, and you know that's great for Brooks, but from a fight perspective, it's like, ugh, you, it, it clearly was outmatched from the beginning. Um, Ochi was. Um, the finishes were good though. The fin- the finishes were overall good though. Um, oh, and also this the uh, Azakura um, Jamie Henshaw match again, you know, clearly. Shinshaw was so outmatched by by Azakura that it wasn't even funny. So yeah, it wasn't a, it wasn't a bad car. I think it was just a I think because of uh, the Bellator the main Bellator Japan show was was so good, and then with the Ryzen Twenty One uh, show that happened uh, later that week was amazing. I think in comparison that this that this portion of that whole week was probably the weakest. To come out, out of three shows. Oh. So basically, you were saying, I mean, so basically, according to you, the Ryzen, I mean, the Bellator Japan program complete. Big Brown, sorry, what was that again, Christian? You're basically saying the Bellator Japan postlims were weak, right? Uh, well, the weakest compared to everything that was going on uh, to the other two shows. I think if we were to rank them, Ryzen 21. Bellator Japan main card, post limbs. I think that's how I would put it. But again, like I said, if you want to see these fights, you can find them on YouTube and on Daily Motion. Try to look up the fighters by, by their English name. If not, look them up by Katakana or Kanji. Uh, and that way you can find the fights either by Direct Giao, Sky Perfect Feed, or Fan Cam. And hopefully this... Just Ryzen doesn't do shit like this again. Um, I don't know. I'm having little faith, though, given the whole debacle that just happened with the Ryzen 22 uh, fight TV thing. So I worry that something like this will happen again, unfortunately. Understood. I mean, to be honest, after what recently happened with this Ryzen 21 card and... Seeing the fact that Fight TV, I mean, Ryzen's days on Fight TV are pretty much numbered. I mean, I would hope they would make the right decisions. I hope so, too. 
to the future of this promotion, Aaron, on that platform? I absolutely hope so. I sincerely really hope so. And especially, you know, here's the thing as well. Being that there is no... Well, let's assume that there is no more UFC shows or Bellator shows in April as well. Because apparently the rumors of, of the 249 Tony Ferguson uh, Khabib match apparently is not going to happen, at least in New York. If there is a lack of combat sports in the West, Ryzen should see this as a great opportunity to put on something so that people can satiate themselves with combat sports that they can put on. And th there will be no better time than to go back on Fight TV or whatever thing they want to uh, to show their matches. This is the best time to do it now, I think. So they better strike while the iron is hot or else you know, they may not have this opportunity again. They almost fucked it up with the Rise of 22 debacle. They can maybe make up for it with a, by gaining a whole new bunch of fans if they deliver something that, none, that UFC or Bellator can't deliver now. And that is MMA. Exactly. And with that, you want me to go ahead and get the plugs out the way so we can end this a little bit earlier than expected? Sure, by all means, Christian. Go ahead, good uh -huh. sir. All right. If you want to check us out, like I said, you can do that through Twitter. I'm on Twitter at ChrisGary92. Andrew is on Twitter at Avenger1. I mean, A-B-E-N-J-A-1. The show Twitter is at We Are Rising Pod, at W-E-A-R-E-R-I-Z-I-N-P-O-D, all in one word. And if you want to check out more from this podcast, you can do so by following us on YouTube or checking us out on Stitcher and SoundCloud, and hopefully soon. And I'm trying to get the show... I'm trying to get this show out as much as I can. I'm trying to get Andrew onto Podbean.com, but he just doesn't want to. <laughs> Either way, when you want it, hopefully we can get this podcast out to all providers and services of choice. That includes Google, you know, Apple, iTunes, and all that, even though Andrew hates Apple. Mm. Huh. Other than that, you can follow... You can follow everything that goes on when it comes down to the Rise and Fight Federation via Facebook and Instagram at Rise and Fight Federation, on Twitter at Ryzen underscore PR and at Ryzen underscore English, and on YouTube, just search them up, Rise and Fight Federation, and they'll be the first thing you see. For the Bellator MMA side of things, you can check them out on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at Bellator MMA. That's all in one word, B-E-L-L-A-T-O-R-M-M-A. And as far as the rest of the plugs go, Focus Fights, we follow cosplays from all over the fighting globe scenes of the U.S., U.K., China, Japan, Russia, South Korea, Guam, everywhere except for Antarctica will be emphasized. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Focus Fights, or search us up on YouTube or Google. And if you click Focus Fights, the YouTube channel will be right up there. Check out the oh, and check out the best damn fight vlog period. Facebook.com slash the MMA opinion. Also, I want to plug the, the, the Ryzen YouTube channel. Right, uh, Ryzen. Yeah, I already mentioned that. 
I think I flood through that as well. No, no, our, our YouTube channel, I meant. Yeah, I already mentioned that. You can check us out on YouTube. Oh, I thought you said the Ryzen Federation uh, YouTube channel. I, yeah, I, no, yeah, you can check either the Ryzen Fighting Federation YouTube channel out. Just search for Ryzen Fighting Federation. Or you can check out the We Are Ryzen YouTube channel. Just search for We Are Ryzen, W-E-A-R-E-R-I-Z-I-N, all in one word. Uh, also, just want to say as well, we have a Discord as well. Ryzen fans, FF fans. Uh, where you can discuss whatever you want regarding mixed martial arts. Doesn't just have to be Ryzen, but uh, it's quiet now for obvious reasons. But feel free to join in on the Discord uh, while yeah, you are the, doing the your. Link is in the, I mean, obviously, if you're gonna be editing, I mean, I'm gonna probably be editing a lot of this podcast, even though it was only a little bit. But the link will be in the SoundCloud and Stitcher descriptions. Yes, and especially with us. And it's open for everybody. It's not going to close for any reasons. If you're willing to talk about some great rising action or some great JMMA memories, feel free to join us through there. Uh, I think. Also, I was going to say, you know, since uh, since social distancing is the state is the word of the year, what a great way to to converse with other people about JMMA, J Kick, and all that stuff. Uh, than uh, than the uh, Ryzen fans Discord. Exactly. But other than that, it's been fun. Try- I mean, it's been fun talking with you about the Bellator Japan show, and I hope that we get more opportunities to talk about some fantastic fights and some fantastic fighters and fight personalities down the line. We thank y'all for listening. To us, and we're even grateful that you're joining us through the We Are Rising podcast. Until then, stay safe, take care of yourselves as you do for others, and vice versa. Drive carefully, wash your nasty ass hands for 20 seconds at a time, of course. And as Lenny Hart always likes to say to close out the show, as she fellows it high for everybody to hear. And just like that, we out this mug. Talk to y'all later.